welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson. I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat right here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Much, David. Uh, happy to be back in Miami for at least a few days um, before yeah. we head on the road for another week. This happy to get a couple seasons. days worth of, of Cuban coffee. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm definitely making the most of it, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you got you got a game tonight, uh, so... Uh, you'll obviously need it to keep you up tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I will be in the arena for the first time all year tomorrow, actually. Um, so, uh, seeing the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, many people are saying, the Heat and the Wizards, uh, on Thursday. So, um, like I guess we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon before the Heat play the Pelicans. Um, frankly, that's a game I'm expecting the Heat to win. Um, and if they don't, and we don't address it, and it's a really ugly loss, uh, that is why. Um, but I think it's good timing to record because uh, it's coming right off of this road trip, which was, um, I would say, kind of like the first hiccup in this heat season, right? We, we recorded last week, I think, right before the Lakers game. Uh, so we talked mostly about the Jokic-Markeith incident. Um, obviously, that loss to the Nuggets to basically start that trip off. Uh, then it was back-to-back in L.A., and for the first time all year, it was like, huh, what's 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 up with these Heat? Obviously, uh, Jimmy Butler didn't play um, most of that Lakers game and, of course, didn't play in the Clippers game either. So, you know, there, there's obviously – it's not totally indicative, but, you know, we talked last week, and, and we talked about it kind of week over week here, that, um, you know, this team, is as good as they've been, definitely has some flaws, and I think – I don't want to say the, the heat was exposed this weekend, but some of those flaws like kind of came to the surface, I, I would say, during this road trip. Yeah, it was an interesting road trip uh, for sure. Um, definitely eventful um, from the start <laughs> with, yeah, with right. the Marquise Morris Jokic thing. And, and then Jimmy gets hurt in the second game, and he really only played five quarters in the whole road trip because right. he got in the first quarter of that Lakers game. Um then obviously Bam dealing with a knee bruise for most of the trip ends up missing the final game in OKC. It, you know, I, I I think I think going into it like three and two in that trip you, you're happy with, but I think all things considered, um, with Jimmy missing most of the trip, um, two and three, especially with the way it started with three losses, I think you yeah. take it, especially with like you know, I mean two three point losses in LA. Those are those are really brutal. Yeah, and again, uh, without Jimmy Butler. Obviously, the but, Lakers don't have LeBron, but um, still. Yeah, and, and you know, if there's one game you point to on the trip that you say that he probably should have won, even though Jimmy missed most of the game, was that Laker game. Yeah, um, definitely. They were up by nine with, like, six minutes left, and they ended up losing in overtime. Like, they should have won that. If they end up winning that game, they're 3-2 and two on, a, on a West Coast trip that Jimmy missed most of. I, that's, like, great. Um, so... I think all things considered, it was a fine trip. They survived, right? Um, they still come back with a 9-5 record. Um, they still are one of only two teams with a top-10 offense and top-10 defense. Yeah. The Warriors are the only other one, and the Warriors have played five road games, not discrediting what the Warriors have done because they've been sensational this season, as we saw uh, on Tuesday night against Brooklyn. But they played five road games. They have played nine. So I think that's – I think – Yes, there are flaws with this team, and, and I'll discuss them shortly. But I think for the most part, you have to be happy with the start because, A, they're 9-5. and five. B, their schedule has been so tough, um, not only on the road, but they've played some quality teams and had some quality wins. 
Um, yeah, I think they're the only team of this like top pack in the East that's had a, a West Coast trip like this. I think so far. It, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not, I don't have every team schedule in front of me, but it's the only one I can remember out of like the Heat, Nets, Wiz, Bulls, like the teams that are all kind of in that that top pack so I far. Think, I think that's right. Did Chicago have one? I think Chicago might have. Chicago had one. might have had one. They played it. LA. I know. I can't remember yeah. if that was in. Chicago. I think Chicago might have had one. But I'm looking right now this uh, PowerRankingsGuru.com, which uh-huh. I don't know how credible it is, but. <laughs> but they they basically do a composite <laughs> power rankings and they make a strength like a kind of calculate the strength of schedule yeah. based off of that based off of like teams you know each opponent has played and how many road games they played. The Heat right now have have played the sixth toughest schedule, um, and the five teams in front of them only one of them has a winning record and that's eight and seven with the Charlotte Hornets. So the Heat star has been impressive because they've had a really tough schedule. The Bulls are seventh right behind the Heat and they're ten four. Um, after that, it's like Grizzlies at seven and seven, Pistons at three and ten, Bucks at six and eight. The Bucks have played a lot of um, road games as well. So the, the Heat, the Heat. I think you have to be um, kind of happy with obviously the start of the year. Now we were touching on with kind of flaws with this team, David. We've talked about this for the past few weeks. Is just the offense. Um, kind of weird to say right now because they're top five offense, right? Uh, but you know, they they right now, according to Cleaning the Glass, have the 17th best half-court offense, which is not terrible. I think we both expect them to be mediocre offensively this year, but have, be elite defensively. But they the reason they're a top-five offense is because they're the best offensive, rebound, re, offensive rebounding team in the league, or one of the best, like top which three. we did not expect sure. at all. Like, not that, that, I think we all, but you know, obviously they're clearly much better at it than they were last year. But I, I think both of us expect that they're not going to finish the year as the top offensive rebounding team in the league, most likely. Right, right. And then also in transition, um, they've got a lot of points. Now they're not playing at a fast pace. They're actually one of the slowest teams in the league, but they're so um, they kind of take advantage of every time, kind of open court situation they get, and the pitch ahead passes, and just different things like that. That they're they're adding. Um, 4.7 points per 100 possession through transition, which is third most in the league. So in the half court, the Heat's offense has been mediocre or actually a little bit below average this season, um, but they're top five. Yeah, probably because, around where we expected. Yeah, but the difference between this team being a four seed and and maybe being a two or maybe even a top seed in the East is them being a top five. If they're a top five offense, right? I mean, they're probably a top seed in the in the East, I would think. When yeah. it's all said and done, because they're going to have definitely a top ten defense, maybe a top, maybe top five defense. So they'd probably be the top seed in the East or second seed in the East. So the diff, I think when we're talking about ceilings for this team, and we say championship, it's because of how they're playing offensively right now. Now I don't know how sustainable it is. It, it, you know, in the playoffs, especially against good teams, even in the regular season, those second chance points, transition points that they're kind of living off of right now, they're going to dry up. And if they can't execute. Efficient, you know, efficient offense in the half court, that could be an issue down the road. So that's something worth monitoring. Again, it's it's been what 14 games. Jimmy's missed three and a, a half of them. Um, Bam has missed one. So like, you know, we'll see how it all pans out. But that's something I think definitely worth monitoring. Yeah. Uh, also, we're, you know, the Heat still uh, best point differential in the East, seven plus seven point one. Um, I think the Wizards will be another good test for them on Thursday. 
How real are the Wizards? Have you watched? I haven't watched them a ton. Obviously, I've been like paying attention to them, and you know, I've got all my my friends from from back home who are all freaking out about them, and um, they're all, they're all excited about uh, Jewish basketball player Denny Avdia uh, as a uh, a person from a a very Jewish hometown. Um, but I mean, they, they seem to play really. You know, it's not surprising that they're a pretty good regular season team because they're really deep. And, you know, Beal actually has not even played super well yet. Um, I, I think, you know, they're probably going to be in that four or five range, I would guess, maybe six, and uh, be pretty feisty. You know, the, you look at the guys on their roster, those, those are all, like, real NBA players. Uh, KCP, obviously Montrez Harrell is historically a very, very good regular season player, even if it doesn't always translate in the playoffs. Um you know, Kyle Kuzma, who was, I think, always kind of maligned just because he was, you know, dating Jenners or whatever, and, and kind of LeBron. He was he was almost the Mario Chalmers, right, of, of the Lakers in some ways, I feel like. That's a um, comparison. And, yeah. and Mario Chalmers is always actually a pretty good player, and, I, and that's kind of the way I feel about Kyle Kuzma. So, yeah, I think they're they're good. Um, you know, are they better than the Nets? Probably not. Are they better than the Heat? Probably not. But, uh, you know, they're... You know, they're, they're, them and the Bulls are kind of off to this similar start, right? And uh, I think they'll probably both wind up in that, like, kind of four, five, six range. Um, especially if teams like the Celtics and the Hawks and right. teams we thought were going to be in that range continue to, to underwhelm. But I, I think it'll be another good test for because the Wizards are a pretty good defensive team. Um, I think they, they might even lead, be the best defense in the East right now. Uh, 103.5 opponents' points per game. Uh, I don't know, pace adjusted, but, but it's way up there. Um, you know, right, kind of right up there with the Heat, the Bulls, a couple of the, the top teams in the East. So they, they got, you know, that's another good test for this offense, right? That's that's what we want to see is, is this team go up against good defense. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, I guess the Heat's wins, best win so far this year is probably at Brooklyn, right, last month. Um, yeah, at Brooklyn. I mean, the and two then you look at the Utah. two Utah games. And Utah is Milwaukee. a team that typically what makes them great is they take away shots at the rim and right. take away shots from three. And, and as we've talked about a lot, this Heat team is really good in the mid range. Um, so it's kind of like a, I've said it a lot. It's going to help them in the playoffs. But again, like that's not what you want to live on through the whole regular season. Yeah, and and the the past few games that Jimmy's been out, they've taken a little bit more um, shots from three. Yeah, which um, is understandable because he's yeah. taking a certain, you know, he if he takes 10 shots a game, those are not shots from three. Right? It's, just, just, right. Not, it's probably like seven or eight of them are like mid-range. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So the offense has changed, obviously, I mean, as you would expect without Jimmy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising. Washington surprised me a little bit just because, you know, I remember when you and I were discussing the East before the season – and we discussed the different tiers. I think we both had Washington kind of in like that play-in tier, right? Maybe like yeah, I, th- like, I thought like their goal was to basically, you know, inevitably. I think we like kind of looked at a clear top six, right, between Heat, Nets, Bucks, um, Hawks, Sixers. I think we said the Celtics, um, and inevitably like one of those teams is going to fall off, and then obviously we're going to have like the Knicks and the Hornets and, and maybe the Bulls. And I thought the the Wizards were going to be in that next group of the teams that were trying to maybe get to the six if one of those top six fell off and disappointed. Um, but I mean, they they clearly look like right now. I think one of the five or six best teams in the East. Yeah, Washington right now, fifteenth best offense, fourth best defense, and yeah. they do have the best defense in the East right now. 
So, yeah, yeah that'll be a good test for the Heat. Wes Unsell Jr., probably front runner for Coach of the Year at this point. Yeah, either him or Billy Donovan, right? Yeah. One of those Definitely. two. I mean, they, yeah. they this, this I'm excited. We haven't gotten to see the Bulls yet. That's a, that's another team I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing at some point. I'm really looking forward to getting, the, like, like I said, I'm, I pay attention to Wizards a lot. Haven't been able to, like, watch them a lot, but I'm uh, I, I'm really interested to see what they look like in person on Thursday, and you'll get to see them in person on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. That, um, you know, the Heat, uh, again, they've had a tough schedule, but they have some winnable games coming up, minus those two against Washington. I mean, the New Orleans one tonight, like you mentioned, and they have Detroit after the Washington game and Minnesota, which, you know, Minnesota has some talent, but, you know, they're not unbeatable, obviously. And then they play Chicago right, right after Thanksgiving. So that Chicago game, that those, you know, in the next five or six games, those two Washington games and that Bulls game, those would be those would be good measuring stick games for not only the Heat, but for those teams. Like, I, I think there's still questions about, like we've talked about, um, those, you know, kind of the, the like how good those teams really are and if they're maybe just early season Wonders. Um, I kind of buy the Bulls a little more than I do the Wizards, just because I think they have more material on their roster. They're the top end talent at the Wizards. Yeah. The Wizards are probably deeper and maybe a little more like cohesive, whereas the the Bulls kind of feel like a fantasy basketball team. Right. But when you have a fantasy basketball team like that, you usually have a lot of star players, and they have that. Yeah, and I didn't know how uh, how that roster come together. It kind of seems like a weird fit, but hey, it's worked out pretty well so far. So. Yeah, the one thing with them is they're they've been good defensively, I think so far, right? And yeah. uh, I I wonder how sustainable that is because the on paper the the assumption with that team was like top five offense, bottom five defense, kind of. And uh, yeah. right now they're they're another team that's in that like good offense, good defense conversation that uh that 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 the Heat are in. Obviously not yeah. that. What's right now is it still only the Heat and Warriors are, are top. Ten in both, I think. Top ten in both. The Bulls are now eleventh in offense and fifth in defense, so they're right there. Knocking. So they're right there too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They could be by the end of the night. They, I guess, they could technically be in that class as well. God, a Warriors Heat Finals would be so fun. That would be fun. I mean, Steph is unreal. I don't. I don't know if you saw some of the highlights last night, but his yeah. the, three, the, the, the threes he just he pulls up like from the logo and just makes it look like a. There was a, like a uh, I don't know, we're getting way off track right now, yeah. but uh, I don't know if you saw, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, uh, there was a an article about him um, and how, you know, obviously he's playing better than he's ever played this year, and, and what he did this offseason, I guess, uh, was when he was shooting, they would track where the ball went through the hoop, and he was like, basically, it would only count if it was like right down the middle. So, like, he was trying to, like, have the perfect switch, not, like, I think he got, like, five inches of leeway on either side of the ball or something like that. He was trying to, like, in basically cut that down to, like, three from the middle of the hoop, which is, like, make it, don't even touch the net, basically. And, uh, you know, that, that's how you become the best shooter of all time is you don't even settle for being, like, the best shooter of all time. You want to you shoot on a smaller hoop, basically. Um, so, he is... He's the MVP, I think, so far. Uh, yeah, definitely. clearly. And uh, but that's another team that, um, like you said, they've they've kind of eaten on a, on a little bit easier schedule. That's that's the encouraging thing with the Heat, even for all the you know nitpicking we're doing, is that they've done this against a, a really a really pretty solid schedule so far. And I think just for the most part, have looked good, right? Like we can like point at these numbers and um, you know some of the the nitpicking that we've done, but you know the eye test. Yeah, you know, I'm still a believer in the eye test, and the eye test is pretty good for this Heat team. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I actually think their de- like their defense looked better than it than the stats say, right? I think they're like the ninth yeah. best defense. I think And the offense never feels like it's like I mean obviously like any offense it gets bogged down sometimes. Right. But it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're like taking bad shots and just like getting lucky. No, no. It, it, this offense is as Spo would say, there's a lot of different ways it could it could score, right? I think that's made the strength of this offense. And there's they really I mean, other than like a handful of games, they haven't really shot the ball well from three. Um, and they've been able to win some of those games, which they haven't done the past few years when they've been so kind of reliant yeah. on three-point shot. Like, they don't need to do that anymore, A, because they're very good on defense, and then B, because they have a lot of guys who can score in the mid-range and around the basket. Um, they don't need to hit, you know, 16, 17 threes to win anymore. Um, so I think that's encouraging as well. Even though, like we said, we that's kind of something we're nitpicking with them as far as like the low volume of threes and lower volume than expected around the rim and more mid-range shots. Like the fact that they're able to win with mid-range shots right now is a good sign because uh, this it's not like this team doesn't have good shooters. I mean, Duncan right. Robinson, it's been a little bit of a slump. He kind of broke out of it. Thirty-four point one percent right now, and, and I think if he finishes under thirty-seven or so, like we'd be stunned. He'd be pretty surprised. Yeah, I, I expect him to get to around like thirty-eight, thirty-nine by at the end yeah. of the year, and he's taking a career high in threes too. I think he's taking like nine a game. Nine point four per game. Yeah. So I mean, I think Steph is actually shooting like thirty-nine percent on threes, but he's taking like thirteen a game. <laughs> so I mean, it's, you can't just you can't just measure it on percentage because a lot of it is difficulty of shots and how many you're taking. If you're taking nine a game and you're shooting 38, 39%, I think you take that for for any guy, really. Yeah, exactly. Tyler Hero also at 39 uh, right now on seven attempts a game. You think that's sustainable? I mean, I think so. I, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, and, and it's – Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think when we were talking the preseason, we're like, you can get that up to 38-ish. And I don't know if we thought the volume was going to be this high because right. – that's a good thing. Uh, That's a good thing because we talked about the mid-range yeah. with him, and he's kind of how, how many mid-range shots he takes. The fact that he's taking more threes is probably a good thing for, for yeah, Tyler. 18 shots a game for him, seven from three, which is probably about the split you want, and then you figure he gets to the rim some, and yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had uh, Tyler Hero talk on the agenda, um, and I mean it's every every I mean I was watching that Thunder game last night where he was you know obviously uh, Bam and Jimmy were out Kyle Lowry was playing but it, like you almost like kind of forgot Kyle Lowry is out there sometimes like that's how much Tyler Hero has like kind of taken over uh, this offense and yeah. especially on a night when those two guys are not out there like you know Kyle Lowry I think he finished probably with ten plus assists. Yeah, eleven. I think it was eleven and eleven. Yeah, like eleven and eleven yeah. or something. Yeah. I think, um, but 
like, when they needed a bucket, and just, like, you kind of felt like every time down the floor, like, obviously Kyle was bringing it up, but right after that it was getting into Tyler's hand, and he was kind of creating the shot. And, again, this is against the Thunder, who are the worst team in the league probably. Um, but it was, like, and, you know, but the Heat, you know, they win by, what, 13. It was, you know, pretty, like, they were in control the whole time, and, and I, I just kind of, you know, I, I think even last year, if they weren't playing without Bam and Jimmy, you kind of expected them to lose, right? And, you know, uh, that, that stretch, obviously, when Jimmy was out, but they lose, like, 10 out of 12 yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, the fact, and obviously, Kyle Lowry helps that, but it's all about Tyler right now in, in the way that he is. I think uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about could the Heat have, could Tyler be an all-star? And I, I think, uh, at least I said, like, it's going to be hard for him to get the nod over Kyle Lowry, I think, just because, like, the narrative side. But I feel like Tyler, just keeping this up, has kind of swung the narrative. And, like, now you you kind of got to really think about him as a potential all-star. Yeah. It, it, the East it's, is good, right? The East is probably too good, too many good guards, especially with the Bulls. And, right. And but he's a, can- he's a legit candidate. Though. Yeah. 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 I, 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 the narrative is – it's so funny how the narrative changes so fast, right? Yeah. I mean – in June or July, I guess, there was talk about the Heat trading him and the likelihood was that he were going to trade him in the offseason. And here we are, and I don't know. I mean, how many guys would you trade him for at this point? Not because he's a top 10 player in the league, but because of his age. He's 21. His team control. Team controlled. I mean, he's eligible for an extension this offseason, but still, you know, this team, you know, has has him under control for, for I think, two more years at least if they don't sign him to an extension. So, um. Yeah. Like, how many guys would you train him for at this point? I mean, he has. You see the potential. He's he's improved a lot since his first two years in the league. Um. One thing I wanted to bring up was is just and Barry Jackson wrote about this uh, yesterday on Tuesday. His success in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, he's be kind of been the running theme throughout his whole NBA career. It feels like that yeah. fourth quarter thing, and that's the kind of thing you can't teach, right? No, you can't. I mean, he's. He has the third most points in the fourth quarter in the NBA behind only DeMar DeRozan and Coy Anthony at 88 points. He's shooting 50.8% from the field in the fourth quarter. 50% on threes, 13-26 in the fourth quarter. Um, He's been the go-to guy in fourth quarters for this team. Uh, At 21 years old, again, he's 21. Uh, It's it's just been very, very impressive. Um, And his ability to create shots for himself and create space off the dribble for himself and just kind of isolation situations has been so important to this offense because there really aren't that many guys on this team that could do that. I mean, Jimmy obviously can. Kyle can do it in certain spots. But Tyler has become so good at that um, that it's been very important, you know, in every game this year, but also especially with with a guy like Jimmy out and Bam out um, when you don't have, you know, two key initiators out there on the court and Tyler's able to take on that role and – He's gotten so much better at it. Um, I think if you want to point to one kind of maybe blemish on, on his start to the season, it's been he's still kind of, you know, working working his way into becoming a better playmaker. Um, in the fourth quarter, he has 12 assists and 11 turnovers. So you want to see that that kind of ratio, you know, get a little better. But he's – I mean, that's really the only thing you can point to. He's been efficient, which has been a knock on Tyler for the first few years of his career. Um, he's been very aggressive. Um, I think he leads the league and uh, leads the team in shot attempts. He does, um, and he's been very clutch. Um, so three more shots per game than, than Jimmy Butler. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of that, again, is he doesn't take that many free throws, and Jimmy's shot attempts. Only 2.7 yeah. game, which you would like to obviously see get up, but whatever. Yeah, right. So, I mean, he the fact that Tyler has taken this leap, it seems like, um, that's why the ceiling of this team, I think, is probably a little higher than we thought entering the year. Yeah. Um, also, Tyler, leading uh, second on the team in minutes per game. I was kind of surprised to see that ahead of Jimmy, actually, behind only uh, Kyle Lowry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even going back to his rookie year, at least pre-bubble, he was leading the team in fourth quarter minutes, right? Like, that, that's always been a big part of his DNA. I mean, when I think of Tyler here, obviously the first thing I think of is um, the, the the game against the Celtics in the playoffs. But I also think of, I think it was against uh, the Hawks, right, where he, like, or was it the Sixers? He had, he had a couple games in the regular season. It was season the Sixers, he, I think. The they Sixers, where he just three went off in the transition. fourth quarter and hit a pull-up three, like, like a, a terrible, an ill-advised shot. Uh, to, I think force overtime in that game and the Heat eventually win. Um, so he's he's had that in his DNA. Obviously, I think anyone you would talk to going back to high school or college would talk about how he had that in his DNA. I mean, he really, I think, in a lot of ways, kind of burst onto the uh, the national scene when he was a freshman at Kentucky. Um, there was like a you know it was where the I'm a bucket thing came from when he was like. Uh, at the free throw line talking trash to some, I don't even know if it was a fan or another player. Like he's just, he's obviously had that edge um, going back a long way. And I, and I think even if, even going back to high school has probably had it. And uh, the fact that it, it was the reason, it was, it was kind of the reason why you didn't think like a season like last year was going to like derail his career, right? Like very young guys with certain personality types that like, you hit a little slump, and it's hard to get out of it. And obviously he was in, you know, if you want to call it a slump all last year, uh, sure, go ahead. But it's not surprising that with a, a full off offseason um, to, to kind of get it together, he was going to come back a different player. I don't know if either of us expect him to be quite this good. But, um, you know, again, like there's a lot of this that's not surprising. Um uh, is, is Tyler Hero is 21? He's only 21. Is that going to be the next, the new Jason Tatum is 20? It feels like Tyler Hero, like it's going to, we've been, we've been dealing with Tyler Hero since he was 19 and it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's going to feel like he's young forever because he is going to be young forever. You know, where you, you, you talk about the best players under 25 list, um, that, that always come out. I don't know if he would, where he would be on that list right now, but by the time he's 25, he's going to be way up on that list. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it might be a ridiculous question, but it's popped into my head because they're playing the Pelicans tonight on Wednesday night. Um, would you trade Tyler Hero for Zion Williamson at this point? I don't think either team would make that trade, right? Because the Heat, you know, Zion is, is such a question mark with the injuries at this point that if you're the Heat, Tyler's way more helpful to a title quest this year and probably for the next two or three years, it feels like. Um, but again, if you're if you're looking for the one star, you're gonna you're gonna take Zion every time. But um, yeah, I mean it, it's crazy that it's even like a debate, right? This time last year, I think the Heat would have pulled the trigger in no time on a trade like that. Yeah, it's just it. And how about oh, I guess the second one, the last one is would you trade Tyler here for James Harden, which hey, has been conversation I mean, for the past year. Even though, let me say that it never came down to the Heat making a decision of whether they wanted to trade Tyler for James Harden. It really never became close because the Heat didn't have the picks to get a deal done. So right. I just want to say that I know that's a kind of like a, a false narrative out there that the Heat just wouldn't let go of Tyler to 
get James Harden. That that just wasn't the case. But anyway, would you trade Tyler Hero for James Harden right now? I probably would. It's not as easy though. No, and I, and again, I think we went back when we when that trade first bubbled up. I was not sold on on James Harden um, because I didn't think he could do anything other than beat James Harden. And I think the last year in Brooklyn like really elevated my opinion of him a lot. Um, but again, like both guys, I think have elevated themselves yeah, a ton this sure. year. And you know, obviously James Harden has not been off to the best start this year. Um, I, I I don't. I mean, I really like. I really don't see how he and Jimmy and Kyle and UD would all get along because he just doesn't seem to fit at all. Right. But I, I I guess they insist it would. Um, but you know, the fact that like you said, the fact it's even a debate, it's even a question that's reasonable to ask. And again, I don't know how reasonable it is to ask. Like I, I think you know he's, he's James Harden. He's one of the. Ten best players in the league. And, He's thirty-two, and though. I mean, not that that's I know, I know, I know. Old, but you know, you wonder but, how his game will age, right? Yeah, but you would do that. I, I think you would do that trade pretty quickly. But again, the fact that it's even a debate, and that you know, I think Tyler Hero on like a trade chart or whatever would he was probably not in the top seventy-five most valuable trade assets in the league this time last year, right? And now. uh well, I guess the season hadn't even started this time last year, but uh, you know, like this whatever percentage through the season last year, and now he's probably one of the I don't know thirty or forty most valuable trade assets, maybe yeah, even higher. I don't know. He's he's yeah. he's obviously uh, has a chance to be a really really good player, and already is a very good player and a very important player to this team, and um, has. My question for you is: obviously, the Heat were high on him, right? Yeah. And he was, as we've talked about, high on the you know that six man of the year type preseason odds makers. Do you think they expected this to this degree? Obviously, they expected that he would be doing something like this, right? Hitting a bunch of mid range shots. Hopefully, that shooting right. percentage, three point percentage, was going to tick up. Like we said, to that thirty eight, thirty nine range, he was going to be in the mix for six man of the year. Obviously. Um, but do you think they expected this? Do you think they 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 thought he had this in him right now? I think they did. I, I think they were they were hiring him from the start. I think Devin Booker has always been a guy that's been kind of maybe their vision for him, right? Um, and Tyler's spoken about that. Yeah. Um, I think they were probably even more surprised with what happened last year. Not that again. I, I think we make too much out of last year with Tyler. If we look at his raw numbers, they were pretty um, fine. Compared, they were they were okay. You know, they were kind of in line with his rookie numbers. People yeah, just, a little bit better. People they weren't the bubble. exactly the bubble was what kind of set everything out of whack. But I, I think they were more surprised. Where, by the way, all of those bubble numbers, like you look back now, are like massively fraudulent. Kind of like the the, the scoring numbers across the board were insane. The shooting numbers and all that. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think they were more surprised with last year and kind of how that unfolded because it was just you know you come off the bubble, you look so good. Um, and, you know, there were injuries mixed in there, the kind of the, the short off season, but he, you know, he never took his biggest step forward as I think many expected and what we expected. Um, but I, I think they kind of thought that he would get to this point. I, I don't think they're that surprised. Um, they, they knew he could be a really, really, really good scorer, um, that it was only a matter of time. So I, I, I really don't think they're that surprised at what he's doing this year. Is there anything that he has done that you think would has been surprising, or has he just been like the, ele- the the highest level of what 
the expectation was for him. I think the efficiency. You know, yeah. I, I think that's always been the question with him. We know he could score, right? But how, you know, can you do it efficiently? Um, and, I mean, 46% from the field, 39% on threes, 87% from the free throw line. You can't ask much more than that um, from a 21-year-old at the, with the volume he's shooting. Um, so I, I think the efficiency has been probably the thing that stands out the most um, because, I mean, if, if Tyler wanted to and he was on a really bad team, he could probably average 25 points a game at least. I, I mean, he's averaging 22 points a game right now for a Heat team that has a bunch of scorers. So yeah. he could average 25, probably, I mean, it's crazy to say, but close to 30 maybe if he was on a really bad team. But Yeah, I wonder again, what the perception of him would be right. if he was on, of course, even the league right now, Oklahoma City. If he averaging was like, if you swapped him with Shea Gilgis Alexander. Right. Yeah. I, I that He's, he's going to score. No matter what situation, I mean that's his elite. Under that bad, five and eight, good for them. What? Under aren't that bad actually, five and eight, good for them. They uh, they're bad. They don't have a lot of talent, but right, yeah, their, their defense is fine, but their offense is not good. I think they're shooting. Not to get too off topic, but it's a crazy number I saw before the Monday game. They were shooting fifty six percent from the restricted area as a team. Right. Yeah, I saw you tweeting those out. How is that even possible? <laughs> <laughs> I think they shot a worse percentage against the Heat on Monday, so that number went down. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah. Anyway, um, but I think the efficiency has been like the biggest thing with Tyler. That's that's been impressive. Yeah, and uh, it feels like every week we do a little Tyler segment, and I, I worry. I don't know. Honestly, I kind of forget what we talk about on a week to week basis, so I don't. I don't remember what we've talked like what angles we've talked about with Tyler. But I think a lot of the perception about his season last year was not just the fact that he didn't take the sophomore leap, right, that, that's so common, or that he, I don't know, whatever, the off-the-court stuff. But I, I think, that, or the James Harden trade, but I, I think a lot of the perception was just that the Heat were disappointing, right? Yeah. Like, the reason, you know, he had a lot of opportunities to, he had a lot of opportunities to be the focal point of the offense last year because of how much time Jimmy missed, um, you know, because... Kyle Lowry isn't there, and Sadia Goran Dragic, who, you know, again, no disrespect to Goran, but he's just not that same kind of um, commanding every possession type player. Um, and he just, you know, didn't – either he didn't make the most of it or wasn't ready to make the most of it, or just he's best suited in this six-man role that the Heat have carved out for him. But, you know, if the Heat has – if the Heat wins 10 more games last year because Jimmy plays every single game and Tyler has that exact – Type, same type of season, then I think the narrative is perfect complementary player to Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo. And I think there was coming off of last season, there was a concern like, oh, is Jimmy ever going to be able to stay healthy? And, and was, was the bubble like kind of the peak for him? Is he going to just, is, there, is he on the wrong side of, of his career now? Um, but, uh, and and then in, obviously if that was the scenario, then, then people, you know, Tyler had to take a leap to become a star. And obviously now we're in the best case scenario where he is, Taking that leap, and, and Jimmy Butler is still the best player on this team, and you know, obviously dealing with an injury right now, so those questions aren't gone. But um, you know, he, he clearly, if, when he's healthy, is still one of the uh, 15, 20 best guys in the league. Yeah, and and the other good thing about you know Tyler's development, at least for the Heat, is look, I, I don't think obviously they're looking to trade Tyler right now with you know with the way the team is constructed, and how good he's playing, and how much they value him, but. It, it like you talked about, like you just spoke about a few minutes ago. Like it gives them a really 
attractive trade asset, right? I mean, we talked we talked so much about it last year, like with Tyler's quote unquote regression in the second year. Like, do they have got do they have any assets they could actually? Right, that was kind of the consternation right. about like the the James Harden thing. It was like they didn't trade whether it was James Harden or not. They didn't trade Tyler Hero at the peak of his value, and then presume and then it looked like his value plummeted last year. Right. Um, that was that was I think as much. The fresh, the why the James Harden thing became a narrative because it was it was mostly just the Heat had this trade asset now they don't and yeah, now they do and, again and now yeah now any star that becomes available or is disgruntled or whatever like the Heat are going to be in the conversation because they have a guy like Tyler Hero they don't have the picks right now they will at some point in the next few years or if they ever find out how to lift the protections <laughs> off the pick the OKC but hey so I just like, did that in my fantasy uh, dynasty fantasy football league it was not that hard. Pack and get this done. Yeah, I'm, yeah, they, I'm sure they could find a way. Whether it's like sending an additional pick to OKC or just something to get those protections off to include picks in in a deal. But when you have a guy like Tyler, you're going to be in every conversation because he is 21 years old. We've talked about he's on a you know the team control and the team controls his kind of situation for the next few years, and he's a rising star in this league. Who's gonna who's a who's a legit like all star candidate. Um, in his third NBA season as a 21-year-old. year old So, you know, if Bradley Beal ever becomes available, David, like, as someone who who follows, the, who's an avid follower of the Wizards, like, would you be upset if, it, at the end of the day, like, the, the the big player that came back was Tyler Hero with what you've seen? Uh, probably not, right? I mean, he's, he's a guy that is a real um, trade chip for this team if it ever comes down to that. Yeah. But, again, as we said, like, what are they going to even trade him for, like? Right now he is yeah. he's he's so playing so well it's hard to envision that he's trading him for anyone but the top you know, but the guys who are never gonna come available on a trade, essentially. Right. right. But if you just never know, it's the NBA as you know, right? Right, and exactly. Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah. like Damian Lillard could say I want to get out of Portland, right? So it you just never know in the NBA, but I think right now he he's in a really like you can just tell he's in the perfect role for him at this point in his career and for what this team needs in that six-man role, which really is not like a six-man role because, like you said, he's, he's like, playing the Second most. on the team in minutes. Yeah, and he's taking the most shots on the team. Um, but just coming off that bench, he's been – Well, yeah, it's the idea that you stagger him from the start. Yeah, right, right. Which, always been, which has always been, like, when you look at his profile, like, what was going to make him great was that he could yeah. be a one-man engine on offense. Might not be the playmaker, like you mentioned, that, that you want from, like – you know, that that makes, like, James Harden or Luka Doncic and, and some of these great, like, guys who create their own shots, like, the truly elite of elite. Um, obviously, maybe he can get there one day. But um, just the fact that he can create his own shot and make tough shots, like, that's exactly what you want from a guy who, who plays without a lot of other stars on the court. Yeah, and, and I think he's doing a good job of, like, when Tyler's on the court, it's either Jimmy or Kyle next to him. So he doesn't really have to run the offense, per se. Right. Um, and those are two guys who don't really need the ball to, to make an impact in Kyle and, and, and Jimmy. Um, so I think that's been good where he's always had one of those guys, you know, by his side to kind of play point in the point guard role while yeah. he, he looks more for his own shot. And, and they help cover up some of his defensive shortcomings. Yeah. Well, I do think he's gotten better, but yes. He has. I, yeah. yeah. But, I, I, yes. It, it does help to play with, with defenders like Bam, Jimmy, and Kyle um, that, that, cut, that help cover cer- certain holes uh, defensively. Uh, one last heat topic I want to get to real quick. We glossed over Duncan Robinson, but does it really matter because um, they have sharpshooter Dwayne Dedman? Dwayne Dedman, he's not a bad three-point shooter. He's made – I remember when he got to the heat, uh, that was a question we all asked him. Like, 
because it was, a, you know, who's going to play with Bam? Can he play next to Bam? You know, you need a guy who can shoot threes in that front court spot next to Bam. He hasn't played much next to Bam, but he can make threes. I mean, we've seen it uh, mostly in transition, kind of that, like, trailer, in that trailer spot. Um, he'll he'll stop at the three-point line, and they'll find him, and he'll hit a three. Um, he, you know, he has to be respected from out there. So that's – I think Dwayne Denman has been – you shooting one hundred percent from three this year. Yeah, but in his career three. though, he's not. <laughs> he's known to hit three, like three. Yeah, no, he's a career what thirty thirty three point five percent career three point. Yeah, not great, but for a center, for you know, for yeah, some if you're taking one every three games or whatever, like yeah, yeah. you could do it. Um, yeah, Dwayne Dedman, sharpshooter, put him in a three point contest. Yeah. Um, Anthony, I think you want to wrap up by giving some Miami Hurricanes thoughts. Well, I don't have any thoughts about the University of Miami, but I do want to ask you, um, kind of, what's your reaction to? I mean, I'm guessing you're not surprised, right? I mean, you're you're around yeah. this program pretty much every day, um, helping to cover it with, for the Miami Herald. What what are you, what's kind of your your thoughts on what's unfolding over there? Um, yeah, like I, I I've said, I, I'm sure I've said this on uh, the Eye on the U podcast, which runs every Friday on uh, the Herald Sports feed on a podcast app near you. Um, basically, when Blake James is never going to get to hire the next football coach, either because the Manny Diaz thing was going to work out so well that they were going to ride off into the sunset, and he was going to, you know, athletic directors don't usually stay around one program for that that long. Uh, or it was going to fail spectacularly, and, and you don't get to hire another football coach when you fail that spectacularly. Hiring a football coach, especially when you don't conduct a coaching search. So, uh, yeah, not surprising that is, you know, it seems very clear that Manny Diaz will not be the football coach next year, uh, that Blake James will not be the one finding his successor. So, and I, I think, you know, the athletic department as a whole is not in, in great shape right now, at least in her. I know everyone talks about his fundraising or whatever. Like, I don't know all the business end of things. It's private school. It's hard to, you know, get all clear information on all that. Um, but at the same time, like, the football program has been to one BCS Bowl in the last, or whatever we're calling New Year's, whatever. They've been to one major bowl game right. in the last 20 years. They've The uh, basketball program has had m- – Three straight losing seasons, I think now, and you know, just lost to UCF on Saturday, who's pretty good, but like, you know, no, they're no one's predicting them to be a tournament team this year. The baseball program, how long has it been since they've been a College World Series team? The, you know, the women's soccer team, the volleyball, like, no, even the non-rev sports, which like it's sometimes like, you know, when I was in Syracuse, um, you know, they were a good basketball program. The football program was kind of a mess. Um, but they always had lacrosse. They were always in the Final Four. Women's lacrosse, they were always in the Final Four. Soccer was a, a Final Four team, I think, one of the years I was there. Field hockey. Like, they, they had all these other sports that, like, it's like, all right, sure, we're, we're struggling in the main sports, but there's these other little sports for people to kind of throw their support behind. And Miami doesn't really have that right now. It's, women's tennis is always all right. Uh, Stella Perez Somaribo went to the national championship last year. But Look at you. For the, for the most part, uh, it's just is not – you know, the whole athletic department has been kind of underwhelming for the last five years or so. Um, so football is obviously the thing that drives everything, especially at Miami, where, frankly, people just don't seem to care about those other sports. Um, I think probably because so much of the fan base is not alumni. Um, but that all matters. Um, and, it, like, you, you kind of have nothing to hang your hat on right now as an athletic department. 
if you asked what Miami was good at as an athletic department, you would say good academic, like success rate, I think. But like ultimately, there's a lot of schools that do that and then do other things well too. I mean, facilities improved under yeah, facilities Blake, improved right? under him. Um, I think the Rick you know, hired, he hired Mark hire. Rick. He hired yeah. Jim Laranega. Those were two big right. hires, and I have a hard time blaming Blake James and even Jim Laranega too much for the basketball struggles because they got roped into that FBI. Uh, deal kind of um, like and should not have been involved in it really and that killed I think two recruiting classes essentially for them Um, so yeah there's obviously in the last five years or whatever they've done some good things but right now it's it's just not not a good time uh, to be uh, be running the Miami athletic department one last thing Mario Cristobal thoughts I have no reporting on this Like, I've kind of felt weirdly confident that, and I think if you read, like, kind of some of what Barry Jackson has written for us, I've kind of felt like there's a a real chance it happens. Obviously, if Oregon goes to the playoff, it becomes, I think, a little bit trickier, right, just because, obviously, that extends his, you know, he's he's then coaching through at least New Year's Eve. Um, You know, if you're that close to the playoff with the level of talent that he's able to bring into Oregon and the money they have all there, then, like, maybe you're like, i got to keep taking a run at this. But I I think there is, uh, you know, the Miami job is obviously not as good as some of these powerhouse jobs at this point. But the fact you're in the Coastal, if you win the ACC, you're probably going to go to the playoff, especially if you're Miami and you have that brand power. Um, and then obviously the the local recruiting base and all that. Like I, I think there's a, a lot of appeal to that. And I mean there is that if, you know there is there's there's some number you can't put on the appeal of coming home, right? And yeah. and it's his, his school too. He played. Yeah, there, it's his right? school. Um, and you know there's Miami. There's Cuban coffee in Miami. Yeah, Miami probably. Los in Miami. Miami probably ultimately can't pay more than Oregon, but like there's there is such thing as a hometown discount. You just gotta kind of make it uh, like worth it for him essentially. So I, I think it's possible. Yeah, I, it does. I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm an outsider looking in, but it just seems like Cristobal is going to end up being the top target, whether they get him or not. Well, I guess 100 percent is the top target. But he, you know what the, the the Columbus, you know what kind of pull Columbus. Oh yeah, guy. the Columbus yeah. crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, he's right. a Columbus yeah, guy and. I know. Yeah. No, it's they, there's a lot of pull over there from Columbus, that's for sure. And, you know, I, I, I hope that UM still just my – I guess this is my take. I just hope they do their due diligence and they don't just hire a guy, right? And I, I think Cristobal is a good coach, and I, I, I think he'd be a fine hire for this team, obviously. But I just hope they do their due diligence and don't make the same mistake of just being like, we're just going to hire the the next local guy that we could find, right, that played at UM. Like – Go out there and make sure you're getting the right guy this time, right? So that'd be my only take. Like, just, just I hope they do like a thorough process before they make it, uh, the next hire. And again, Manny Diaz is still the head coach, and who knows what's going to happen. But it just seems like, you know, obviously, yeah. I mean, they could win the next not, two yeah. and win a bowl game, and maybe things change a little bit. But uh, right now, obviously, there's there's a clear way things are trending. I would yeah. say. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, uh, let's wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. You can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Until next week, though, I will talk to you guys later.